Welcome, affiliated listeners, to another episode of Affiliate. Today, we are going to have um, a really interesting conversation. We've had some you know, people that own software in the past, but we've never really had an opportunity to talk about a great software owner with a great product, actually talking about how they go and sell that, right? We know we have a lot of listeners that have either thought about or own a software product right now, um, but oftentimes they might be struggling and looking for specific ways on how you market that specific type of product. And we have the amazing Luis Madrid here today with Webforce HQ, a fantastic CRM. We'll talk about it a little bit later, but more importantly, a great guy and a great business owner um, that has really created an awesome product. So, And he is also hailing in um, much better weather than Thomas and I, for those that are watching on the video, and we look like we're bundled <laughs> up, like we don't even know what heating is, um, but but not Lu Lu Luis. I don't know. I almost, I almost called you Luis for some reason because we talked about it earlier. Anyway, Luis, how are you doing today, fine. man? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Good, good. Great to have you. Of course, we have the amazing, my amazing co-host, uh, Thomas. Well, let's jump into it a little bit here. So, uh, Loser, we really want to, or Luis, now we're going to do it the whole time. I know this is a thing. It's like one time we had a hand motion that we weren't supposed to use on video, and I wasn't aware that it was because it was tied to like a, a group of racist individuals, and I, I never did it. And then they said, don't do this thing, and now it's like I can't stop. I just can't. It's okay. I'm going to change my name to Louis. <laughs> yeah, Luis, so you can yeah. start calling me Luis. Yeah, yeah. Then then it'll be easy. yeah, I'll screw it up one way. Um, but yeah. So really, what I want to do is let's actually kind of dial back a little bit. And I'd love to hear um, if first, if you want to tell people a little bit about the software, just kind of high level. And then um, what I really want to talk about is right now, what are the main sources that you go about with marketing a software? Um, so uh, I'd be just really interested in kind of the channels that you've chosen um, and even the ones that you've tried. And then we'll kind of talk about how that's been and which one's been most successful. Yep, for sure. So first of all, um, you know, started Webforce. It's an all-in-one CRM. Uh, pretty much if you were to combine sales pages and funnels, uh, uh, payment software, cart software, uh, membership site, internal automation tools, and um, you know all the the whole customer journey from when the customer clicks on an ad and lands on your website all the way through to fulfillment, right? So if all of those tools that most people you know probably use like 10, 15 systems were to have a baby, that's what you get. That's Webforce.io. Sounds like a messy baby, right. Luis. That's all. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like big, big baby. baby. It is. It's a big baby. Yeah. It, it's a 15, 20 pounder for sure. <laughs> Mothers um, shriek everywhere. So how do you? Like, yeah. How do you keep like a clear marketing message? Yeah, of that it's a lot of different like, things. A lot of it's different a people. Pretty big, for sure. Yeah. Well, uh, kind of to backtrack it all, it really started with like product market fit and talking to customers in the space and really understanding what they were paying was, you know, I would meet with business owners and be like, Hey, what are you dealing with? Like, what, what's your challenge? What's your struggle? What's holding you back? And everything came back. Like after looking under the hood, it's, you know, you get to see really what the mess that most people create. And it's this Frankenstein tech monster, right? That people just kind of stitch in one integration and one API and add this and add that. And as you, your needs continue to evolve, right? As the business keeps growing, you, you need different things. And you don't really plan for that as a, you know, as a business owner, when you have an idea, you're like, well, I need this right now. And that's the only thing that matters. And then as you go through, then the next piece and the next piece, and you start to add on to it. Um, and funny enough, that's, that's kind of how we grew Webforce to be this big all-in-one CRM because it started, originally it just started with sales pages and funnels. 
right? That's the biggest need. Everybody needs to market and get their get their product and offer out. So you start there. And then you're like, oh, I need different types of payment options. Well, cart software, right? And rebills and one-time payments and things like that. So it was really just asking customers what we needed to begin with and then solving for that. And, you know, and I would have these sales calls and then I would go back into my, with my co-founder Carlos and be like, hey, guess what? And he's like, don't tell me we're about to change the product roadmap. <laughs> yeah. 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 Operational um, people everywhere understand that pain. They've all, they've all experienced, oh no. Um, uh, so well, yeah. dur- during that, since you started with like a very, tar- I imagine a pretty targeted marketing message around web builders, like Thomas mentioned, like kind of, how did that change as you started adding all these additional features? Did, did like, how did you not end up having, you know, 20 different marketing messages that aren't, weren't like, you know, we're all disparate from one another. Um, I actually didn't have a marketing message to begin with. I was solving for the problem that, you know, people were having. We didn't have a website for the longest time and it was all referral based word of mouth, you know, talking to one customer adding and they would refer somebody else and they would refer somebody else. So one by one. So the beginning was very slow, painful growth because of all of those things. Um, but we just kept growing that way. The marketing message started to deli- like just kind of morph into this one message of removing the complexity of tech, right? And providing all the tools and services you need to be able to scale. And we do that by X, fill in the blank. By what is the biggest pain point that you're currently struggling with? Is it your sales pages? Is it your cart software? And it really varies because um, each business at a different stage has a different, you know, it's a different challenge that they're dealing with. Um, internally at this point, we have it broken down into three different like avatars and tiers of businesses where they're at, right? It's, are they within the zero to a million mark, a million to 10 million and 10 million and above, right? So startups, mid market, and then enterprise level, because the challenges that they're dealing with at each one of those stages is completely different. So when I talk to somebody or when they hit the page and we can identify who they are, the marketing message changes to fit their needs, right? Startup, you're probably focused on uh, product and marketing and front end conversions and acquisition side of things, right? Next level up, it's probably systems and processes. So it's more around uh, the data that they're dealing with. What's, you know, how is the workflow between the teams? How do you get marketing integrated with operations and fulfillment and customer support and, you know, all of these things, you know, and again, like the next tier up, it's a whole different set of challenges that really resonates with them. So um, that was a really big hurdle and a big lesson that we had to learn the hard way because at first it was, you know, it's, you're kind of going up and down these, these tiers of, of what you're communicating and what is the message to the different people. So it was always like, I literally just went and I created all of the marketing messages for all of the different avatars. And I had this big old deck and it was like, you know, 15 different things. And once I got to qualify who I was talking to, then I was like, okay, cool. Here's the best one for that. And then work off of that piece. Ton of extra work. I know it sounds like a lot for, yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. But, it, but it seems like it's pretty critical, right? Because like you said, and, and Thomas mentioned, that's a lot of things a product does meaning that, it can mean a lot of different things to business owners. 
So having those tailored conversations, I imagine it matters, right? And and we should also mention it's not to say that you're selling a product that isn't, you know, it's it's not a five dollar widget to add into your Shopify store. Um, you know, it's it's definitely a different um, ask from a price point perspective. So you want to make sure it's tailored, and then even the commitment to onboarding, like it's not like uh, a CRM isn't normally like a mild, hey, why don't you just do this? You know, it's it's a little bit different. Even like a web builder sometimes. I could try web builder out, um, integrating my entire business into one piece of software, um, a little bit of a lift, a little, right? So it makes, it makes <laughs> sense that you customize that messaging. So, um, kind of circling back to it, like when you're having these conversations, like how are they starting or like, what, what are you guys, maybe even the, actually, let me reframe it. What are you guys doing on the website to segment that audience? Knowing that you have a brand that isn't segmented, um, but you are meeting people at so many different, um, entry points needs, problems, and you know you have to qualify. How do you get them qualified enough to even get on a call and go in deeper? I guess I'm curious what, what you guys are doing with that. Yeah, well, to touch also on like your marketing channel, um, we were struggling a lot with, we tried running ads and that was the challenge. I, we had no idea who they were, what they were struggling with, and if the ads were actually resonating with them. So it was really kind of getting rid of that channel and saying, okay, the easiest way for me to have that information is if it comes from a referral, right? So I had to focus on delivering the product so that we could get the referral. And then when we got a referral, you know, then I'm getting on a call to really outline, first of all, from the person that referred them, where are they at more or less? And then I can actually jump on a call and say, Hey, I'm going to ask you a few questions just so that I can understand where your business is and I could better serve you. So opening up and, Right away, because some of those questions, you know, it's not like I can just walk into anybody's business and say, hey, how much are you doing a month? Right. And there's sensitive information that people uh, tend to not want to disclose right out of the gate to some random stranger or right out when you just clicked on an ad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I've tried, so, but yeah. it's a reason I can't go to Denny's anymore. They just don't let me um, for all those uncomfortable <laughs> questions. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's the equivalent of like literally walking into a restaurant and then imagine them asking you, hey, how much do you make so I can give you the right menu? Yeah. Right? <laughs> right, you let them self-segment a bit. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so that was, that was the challenge. So it was most of yeah. your, so your first, it sounds like your first few clients you were getting and probably maybe still was through referrals? Yes, definitely referral program mm-hmm. is our biggest, our biggest channel. Um, now we have a little bit of how'd you, how'd you get the how, how'd you get your first client first client yeah it was customer, yeah first customer was yeah. through <laughs> yeah. we didn't have one first customer we actually had six so when we started it was six people came to us wanting us to do a custom build of the most original setup that everybody in the space would really resonate with and said hey can you use this page builder and i need this CRM and I need this, you know, membership site builder um, and it needs to do this. And I'm going to build this type of sales page funnel with a quiz funnel and it needs to do X, Y, Z. Right. You know, and in, in today's world, like everybody can refer to it like, Oh yeah, it's like click funnels in Shopify and, you know, and do sticky and have it connect with this for the membership site and use Zapier. Right. And each one of these customers thought that they were the most original customer. Like this was obviously, you know, years, years ago when we did it, but they all came to me and said, Hey, can you build this for me? And I said, well, I can, 
but here's the challenges and the problems that you're going to run up, up, up against as you scale and you go through that. But what if I deliver the same solution, but I custom build it for you? They're like, yeah, I don't give, I don't give a shit. Just give me the end result. Right. So it's like, okay, cool. And that's how we started. So six people paid us to build the first iteration of the software. So it was kind of self-funded that way. That's nice. That's a really, that's, that's a helpful story when you could just uh, capitalize on an opportunity. They must have known, so they knew you were working on a funnel builder or a page builder kind of company. And then they're like, Hey, we need this. Yeah. How'd yeah. you, yeah. So we're, cause you were in the space a bit. That, that, yeah. That was from, from, yeah. Working in the space, you know, uh, when we worked at that startup, you know, we grew that from two and a half to about 30 million in a little bit under two years. Um, and that's kind of where I had the relationships and the people in the space. And, you know, they saw the success that that company had and they're like, Hey, I want something similar to that, but here's my idea. And they either wanted me to do the consulting or, you know, do some special design or, you know, tech stuff for them. Um, so when I started the company and they're like, Hey, this is what we want you to do. I said, great, but I also know the pitfalls of that. So how about I just save you some grief, you know, and that's how we got going. Gotcha. Because you're, that was down in Austin too. In right? Austin. Correct. Yep. So you've got a great little marketing hub down there and entrepreneurial hub too. So it's a, you're in a nice little mixing pot. You there like to throw a rock and <laughs> kind of network a and, yeah. over there. Just, you know, the, <laughs> the concentration. So, um, you know, understanding that, that the business is still heavily referral based, which I, I would think makes a lot of sense. And honestly, Thomas and I very similar, right? Like ClickBank, because there's so many different entry points and levels of people you're talking to. Um, sometimes it's really challenging uh, to, to mass market that. Um, but at the same time, that's always the goal, right? We're always trying to strive for new things we're doing. So um, knowing that that's still the pillar of acquisition for you, um, you know, even from the get-go, right? Uh, let me, what are the other channels or what are some of the other things you're still doing to either support the referrals, create brand awareness or acquisition that you guys are still playing around with now that, you know, the, the paid ads is something that you weren't getting success with necessarily, which again, we could actually echo that. I think uh, oftentimes if you're doing a very service oriented software or business that paid media could be really challenging to get started because of what you said too, the, the no feedback except for a no, but you have no idea why, um, can be really challenging. Yeah. And paid specifically because of how fast, like the velocity in it, you can, you can burn through a lot of funds really, really quick. Yeah. And faster you know, if you're not crypto, if you want to lose money, man, yeah, <laughs> that too. <laughs> um, well, yeah, no, our focus is like, what we had to do is really, um, slow down and, and pick, pick one. Right. And right now we have a framework that we do one product, one avatar, one channel for one year. Right. And like, we'd literally just pick one and we'll say, all right, great. Here's, you know, everybody can, can come to the table and say, I think we should do this, 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 right. And we'll decide on what the option is. But when you do it for that, you know, that period of time, it forces you to really dive down into the crevices of what's making it successful, like break through these plateaus. Cause Think there's a tendency to really just figure out hit a wall and be like okay cool no next thing next thing next thing right or you don't really if you do two things at once you're not really giving each the attention that you need for it to to succeed right so that was the challenge but right now like we we started with referrals and that's always been our bread and butter we focused on 
making that more successful by having our product deliver the results, right? Like rather than find some other marketing way on the front end to say, you know, let's get more acquisition on the front end. It's like, stop doing that. Let's focus on the product, make the product really good so that when the clients do come in, little as it were referral based, right? One by one by one, that they can then bring us another partner. Because I think the, the return of one referral, one good referral was, you know, 20 X versus having one front end acquisition and then having to spend and grow and scale that. Yeah. Um, what, what are you doing to get referrals? Right. Cause I mean, they do just happen organically if you've got a great product and there's a good networker and a good person. Right. But there's ways you can always juice that a bit and kind of make sure you're getting some referrals. Is there anything you and your sales team are doing to ensure some referrals? Uh, that that's just the success of the client. Like we get, we get so deep into product feedback from our clients and delivering the results. But to this day, we, we have very minimal, like we don't incentivize our, you know, our existing clients to give us more, get us a referral. It's just based on the success, you know, and like we have our internal KPIs is like get our clients to uh, 50K within 30 days, 100K within the next 30 days after that. So like we're focused on crushing it on the back end because if we do that, we don't even have to tell them. We don't even have to ask. They automatically start sending us, you know, more more referrals that way. Yeah, um, imagine because there a lot is of programs start asking them, right? <laughs> they're going, how how are you kicking ass all of a sudden? And they're like, well, let me tell you. Yep, that's exactly how it's been. Like our our biggest referral partners are our most successful clients because we just crush it, right? And you know, first. 30, 60, 90 days of us working with somebody are the most important pieces that we focus on. Peel back the like the value. What are the metrics? Like our our key our, our key metric that we focus on is is time to transaction. Like from the time that somebody signs up with us to the time that they get their first transaction on board, right? And then we go into, cool, you just made your first, you know, thousand dollars, ten thousand, hundred thousand, and then so on and so forth. So we just try to get get that ramp up because that does everything else i mean do not to be too specific in crms but i think that's such an uh smart thing to focus on because i imagine lots of your clients you've talked to when they've onboarded prior crms it's like well here's the next year of our life in a business as we hope to get this onboarded and working and and actually able to transact on it and use what some sales rep told us what feels like eons ago um, this would be able to do like, I, and, and going through it, like personally, it was like, oh my gosh, like why do CRM suck so much to onboard? Um, knowing that that's like a, a big pain point focusing on it. I, I could see that having great success, even in the onboarding phase, just for people like, sweet, I transacted fast. That's already better than what I've experienced in the past. And, and you mentioned it earlier. It's a really big, it's a big ask, right? Like moving CRMs is like moving to a new home. And everybody that's had to do that knows how big of a pain that is. You're like, oh man, I don't want to move ever again because you got to. It's risky. Yeah. yeah, you don't want to break anything. Maybe yeah. your yes. waterline <laughs> breaks a month into yeah. it. Was that how long it was, Thomas? When? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Place the HVAC, do the water main. Yeah. No. <laughs> All kinds of surprises. No, so oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to go down a different avenue. I wanted—I was kind of curious on that front, like what mistakes you see people make when they are moving CRMs. 
Um, and Can we circle back on that? I want to do one other thing, and then we'll circle back on that question because it's still kind of what um, Luis was talking about. So, so one of the things he said that was really interesting on the basis of the referral was that the product became the most important for that channel because you knew that without a great product, it, it's just not going to really you're not going to get referrals. Nothing else really matters, and it was so hard and expensive to get one less valuable client. Um, you know, through demand gen. So with that being said, if, if people are going out and developing softwares themselves, maybe they're struggling with their software right now, would you say that product quality, in your opinion, is the number one thing you should always focus on in a software product? Um, is it pain point? Just kind of curious in that product creation phase or once you have it, um, where you'd rank that out in level of importance? I wouldn't say product quality. I would say results that you're promising like what what is the the result and the benefit that your customers going to get because sometimes that means that the ui looks you know a little janky you can save some of that stuff but it doesn't matter if you spend you know three months working on the ui to make it look perfect when the first experience that they have when they come in is you know crap so like the results that they're gonna get out of it you can overcome some of those other things that might be lacking, but the results has to be first. And then the product of specifically the result that the customer is looking for. Um, we've done so many iterations now and, you know, it's always around like in the software space, the biggest thing is, you know, everybody really preaches like MVP, 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 right? But it's not like most people somehow got this shifted perspective that MVP means minimum viable effort right now minimal viable product and result from it so when people do that they tend to sell and over promise and over deliver and then they fall short and then you kind of burn all your goodwill yeah yeah no i like that i love that that idea that it's it's result best result um because you're right i have tried some great uis that didn't do anything um, and bad UIs that get the job done. And, and at the end of the day, you'll complain about an ugly UI, but you'll keep the product because it keeps getting it done. So um, versus a pretty, pretty thing that doesn't do anything. So um, that's awesome. Yeah, bad UI is easily over. It's easily explained with just expectations, mm -hmm. right? Right. Yeah. Hey, it doesn't look great, but it works. Yeah. It looks yeah. sweet. <laughs> you want pretty <laughs> right. software that breaks. If they jump into something. Yeah. Yeah, if they jump into something cold and it looks bad. They're like, oh, and they might lose somebody. But yeah, if you just get in front of it, like, hey, yeah. When when you think about it from like get, the, but it'll get you to from the business side, right? Like you can you can explain and you can justify that bad UI. But hey, we made some money, right? The P and L were profitable, great. Versus UI, it looks pretty, but did it work? No. It's like, well, how can you make a logical decision to run the business that way? Well, and then you, uh, as a sales per sales team, just into a, an owner, it's it's so much easier to be like, listen, we put our time and effort in the results in your business, not in the way this UI looks. Like, obviously, we're gonna you know always look to improve that and make it better, but right now we're more focused on putting money back in your business and having software that's gonna do that. I imagine you'd have similar viewpoints, right? Like, you know, you could yeah. you could talk away that so. No, I think it's really interesting. So for any people out there right now, as you're developing a software, if you have one, I think that's amazing advice, right? Focus first on the result your software will give. Make sure that it's going to consistently get that result. The users understand that. Um, more design, more than design, more than your marketing message. If you really want a sustainable software business that will almost grow a bit on its own, 
um, make sure that it delivers exactly what you say it's going to and does it well. So um, super awesome. Well, with that, let's actually transition. I think, Tom, this is kind of interesting that we, we've talked a lot about a CRM. We know that CRMs are really important to businesses, um, but I don't think we've ever really talked about how important they are to businesses, what they could do. So with that, I think you had a great question just in terms of um, pain points. So if you want to ask it again, that'd be a good time to transition. Yeah, Luis, yeah, what in your experience, what big mistakes that people make when they are looking to or in the act of choosing a new CRM and moving over? Or maybe even the first one, too. Yeah. Even as a starting, well, I think um, CRM and tech stack for anybody in, in our space, right? Direct response, online, anything online is really the foundation of the business, right? It's got to be the right foundation for the right house, the right building that you're going to build on it, right? And it's really easy to get um, uh, shiny object syndrome of this new tech, new stuff, new thing that just popped out right, that has all the buzzwords and, and all the clout behind it and just kind of overlook the, how it integrates, right? So most, the biggest mistake I've seen is just going for the next piece and saying, cool, add this in and add this in and add this in and add this in, not really getting clear on what is the real outcome in the KPI that you want to track when you start. Um, if you think about like the entrepreneurial journey as you start off, right, like some of these things like, cool, I need a website. I just got to have a website that talks about the products and services that I have. So people usually start off with like a WordPress thing, right? And, you know, you start to... Wix or Squarespace yeah, or something. Or... Yeah, something like that, <laughs> something right? Third. And then they're like, oh, I need to sell my products, right? And then they're like, okay, cool, I need payment software. And I need a gateway to transact. And I need, you know, subscriptions. Oh, now you need a, you know, subscription cart software. And if it's a digital product or a physical product, well, I need to talk to fulfillment or I need to unlock the product. And now you need an LMS, right? And as you start, like I can literally map out the journey of a business as they're going through these as these needs because they're like, oh no, and I need to add email marketing now. Well, now I need to integrate with ESP. And I need to add, you know, support. Now I need a customer service you know, portal, right? And all that Zendesk. And just to just kind of highlight, I imagine some of the cracks you start to see is those patchwork pieces of software that are somehow making your customer service work, making your funnels work, making an email go from here to here. Um, all of a sudden they just start failing. And now emails aren't coming in because there's too much bandwidth and you know, this integration's like not put together properly and it's not fitting with new technology. It, just to kind of highlight, that's what I'm imagining that's what you're kind of saying and seeing with a lot of these cracks is you know, the software that's supposed to be running at, you know, some speed and doing this, all of a sudden, you know, you want a day with not collecting any emails properly um, or emails not going out because, a, 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 you know, a connection broke. So um, just, just for the people at home, if you haven't experienced that yet, that's, that's normally what you start to see. I mean, I imagine, Louise, you could share all sorts of examples of horror stories from um, existing clients and what happened to them before as their businesses broke. But yeah, I just wanted to kind of highlight that. And you'll know exactly when that starts to happen because you can, you'll have tech problems like you just mentioned, right? The tools stop talking to each other, something upgraded, you know, and something else doesn't talk to each other now, um, right? Maybe you have uh, increased customer service tickets. Now you have to do more manual labor. Your team has to work extra. They got to jump from tool to tool. Uh, this field doesn't communicate over here. When they schedule something over here, it doesn't go back. 
you know, when they bought a product, they didn't unlock it, fulfillment shipped it, they didn't get a tracking number, whatever, right? There's all these tools and it's usually the tech that breaks and then your team that has to pick up the slack, right? Or you, and you'll know, you're like, oh man, now I got to spend all this extra time at the end of the day to do, you know, some cleanup work. Yeah. Um, Everyone's favorite end of day activity too, right? Like yeah. fixing customer service tickets. <laughs> and the stakes get higher every time that you go. Like now imagine having your website, right? And now you're running ads. You're spending, you know, however many thousands of dollars you're spending in advertising and your page is broken, right? The page load can't support it. Your cart isn't taking premium processing. Right. That's my favorite. I get that all the time from people. They're like, oh, man, you know, we were doing it. We're in the middle of a launch and, you know, it wasn't tracking, you know, affiliate payouts or it wasn't I couldn't even take payments. So, you know, thousands of dollars down the drain. Yeah. You know, yeah. And relationships burned, which yeah. is hard and to get back. From, as right? unifying yeah. as an excuse yeah. or um, a situation of my technology broke might be, it doesn't ever really carry well. Even though everyone's probably experienced, like, nah, I don't care. You should figure that out. <laughs> yeah, unless it's like Cloudflare or yeah. something that goes down yeah. and everyone's down. Yeah. But <laughs> you better hope yeah, for a catastrophic like, issue. Yeah, um, yeah. No, so that's that. That makes sense. So, how do you then, if you're in that boat, like you have, you know, you're like, wow, like. I have put this together in a way that looks like a hairy ball of wires, like the junk drawer that you could pull all the items out at once, right? You're like, this is ugly. Um, like, so from there, you need to unwind this and turn it into a functioning business. Um, you know, what, how do people go about selecting the right CRM or knowing that they need to move from the one that they currently have? My favorite question to ask is what are the three biggest challenges and what are the three biggest sources? Like what is actually producing revenue for you? And you start there, right? Because making that shift all at once, doing a cold turkey, I've only done it once, one time, and it was with a company that had the most solid operations team that I've had. And we migrated over 25 funnels, a whole business doing six, seven figures a month into the system. And that was, that was a big undertaking. For everybody else, we do it in phases, right? You're gonna have to take it in steps and have to break it down and say, cool, Here's your big hero offer, right? If it's all coming in through e-commerce, right? From like your, your storefront, that's the first piece that we need to take on, right? Or if it's all sales pages and funnels, like what is your biggest funnel that we need to work on first? And you kind of roll it out that way. And then outlining what are the three biggest things that you cannot go without? Like if we shut these three things down, your business will fail. So make sure that those stay intact. You rebuild those as you move over. And then what are the biggest challenges that you've had in the past? So you understand what technologies you have. Cause when I always ask people like, what tools and systems are you using? They're like, well, I only have, you know, these three. And I'm like, cool. Those three. Yes. All right. That's pretty simple. But as it goes, like, Oh, by the way, I also forgot to have this and I'm doing split <laughs> testing here and I've got this other tool and <laughs> Oh, I just talked to my email person and they use these other five things, you know, and not one single person knows the whole listing of all the tools that they're using it tends to be somewhere around the 18 to 25 tools that people are using on average. That um, surprised me. Yeah. Which, you know, it's, it's a lot when you think about like how many tools and systems your, your business needs to use to run. Well, as your company grows, the, the, it might be like 18 for a team <laughs> and then 10 of those might be shared across the company and the other team has the same 10 and then they're using eight different ones too. Mm -hmm. On top of that, it gets, yeah, it can get pretty hairy pretty quick. Wait, one thing you'll find out is that most teams, like I'll add a tool 
for the fun for ten percent of the functionality, right? And the same thing for another team over here, like marketing and operations usually do this, or sales and ops, or sales and marketing, right? They're like, hey, I just need this piece of that, and I want it integrated, and I just need this piece of that, and I want it integrated. When they actually could have used the same tool, and they're having like a 60 percent overlap of the tools that they're using. You know, I've found that if the company has a good controller, like a good finance team, they're often a source of truth for the tools actually being used because they see the expense reports coming in. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, they know, hey, these are silent over here. Here's all the third party things we're paying for mm -hmm. yeah, on a regular monthly or quarterly basis. Yeah. That's like they might. Yeah. They can usually pair back and go, no, no, here's everything. <laughs> it's like, oh, we're still paying yeah, for that. You need a good financial wet blanket <laughs> yeah. sometimes, you know, just to come in and mm -hmm. like, hey, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Pump the brakes. Pump the brakes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. I need that for streaming services. If somebody could do that for all the streaming services, I inevitably pick up and forget about a trial for one thing I wanted to watch. That would be good. So, <laughs> um, no, so I imagine, so, you know, I do find it interesting. One thing I wanted to circle back on. So you, you decide to start right off the bat with the, the most critical stream, um, like basically income stream. I'll be honest. I would have thought in my instincts, if you told me that would be like, I don't like what you mm -hmm. just said. <laughs> like, let's not start with the say, most I critical part of my business. First, yeah. <laughs> How about this one over here that I don't do much on If you blow it all up, I won't care. Um, so yeah, I guess I'm just curious the, the methodology there or how you might overcome that objection of some, you know, annoying client like me was like, well, I don't know. You know, <laughs> well, it's because you're replicating it and you're running it concurrently. So you can test A versus B on the biggest impact uh, activity within the business. Um, if you did start with your secondary or some other thing that you have just laying there and you're like, yeah, it's performing better by 5%, but that 5% is only an extra five grand a month versus something that's doing you a hundred, you know, that might, that's really the deciding factor for you to be, okay, cool we're all in on this new tool and we're going to move. Mm, that makes sense. Oh, so you are running them concurrently together. You're not just going, Hey, we're turning this off today. It's turning this on tomorrow. You're saying we're going to this up now. Let's divert some resources and bandwidth over to that side. So for, does that mean while you're moving CRMs that your, your teams are kind of having to duplicate some processes then? So there's a little, is there a little more strain on teams at that? Correct. Point? Um, we take on all of that on our side to, to, to take the load on it. Um, but the, the idea is that the increase in either a saved effort, right. Or operation efficiency and output from the test that you're running will cover the cost of the other tools that you're already using. Yeah. Right. So that you can keep those and that, running. That makes two, if you're going for your bigger channel, you get to that, you know, statistical significance, if you will, faster than if you're just trying a little bit and getting partial resources on it. Yeah, you wouldn't really know for a while if that was worth doing or not. Okay, that makes sense. Correct. You get the data. And a lot of like, you know, in the tech space, um, last point on that is the tech space, like most tools do a really good job of like finding a way to hold you hostage, right? In the tech space, like most CRMs will be like, oh, your subscriptions are stuck here or your data is stuck here and you can't move it, you can't touch it, you know? So that's always a challenge that, you know, we have to deal with in the software space, but, you know, we overcome that by just producing way more new revenue, you know, more operational sound way. Gotcha. 
And then the lesson there for all you software owners that want to be CRM, own all your data and just be horrible when people try and get access to it. It'll really <laughs> force stickiness, right? Um, <laughs> toxic relationships. Great business. No, just kidding. <laughs> um, you no, can never yeah, leave me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> be the toxic girlfriend model. Yeah. Uh, it's like trapping. I will find you. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, so, so that being said, so obviously some big things is know what parts of your business matter the most, know what the biggest problems are that you're facing. So you could clearly communicate that when you're looking to a CRM and make sure that, that they can fill that. So I think one of the other things is, um, you know, we've all fell victim to like, a great sales pitch and is kind of the beginning of most nightmares in business sometimes, right? When, when a software goes wrong, it's because the salesman went real right um, from the top of it. So where's maybe some, some questions and things that you look for, or you would tell people when they're shopping around, what are the things that, you know, Hey, I know my, I know my problems. I know my strong points. What are the questions I should be asking um, the company to ensure that I'm not going to end up with, you know, an uh, 18-month-long onboarding process that's super expensive and generates me no extra revenue but a lot of extra work. I would say the thing that will save you the most time is if you have multiple stakeholders, different department heads um, that all have, you know, control over their individual uh, departments that are going to be affected by the move, have them all on a have them all on a demo or have them all on a pitch, right? Because I can tell you this, it's been, it's, really easy to get full buy-in from one person because all they're thinking about is what they control or what they oversee, right? I, I do what's called like group uh, stakeholder demos, right? And I'll have the operations person, the marketing person, the CEO, the operators, the people that are actually doing the builds or they're working within the stuff. And it's kind of like a free-for-all. Like I'll go through a presentation of like the overarching pieces and they say, cool. What are your reservations? What do you guys think? And I will literally just answering all of them off, right? Everybody can kind of tee off on that end. And it's, you know, like most people from like a sales perspective will think of like, oh man, that is a crazy environment to be in. And it is, it's like high pressure because everybody's like, and what about coupons? And what about subscriptions and membership site? And can it do this? And can you do that? And can you do this? And can you do that? But that forces everybody else to see what is the most important part to that person? And then everybody gets their questions answered because the opposite of that, right? Is like, let's say I just have a conversation with, with you, right? And you, you get off the call and you're like, man, this was so awesome. Like, I think we're ready to make that. And you go talk to somebody else internally in your business. And they're like, well, did you ask about this? And you're like, oh shoot, I forgot. Now we have to have another call, right? And then that person's like, well, I don't know. They never touched on this, but you know, that person's on the defense and now it's another call and another call and another call and doing that. Um, and, or it starts to yeah. feel like internally you get no buying because everyone's like, oh, this crap software that our CEO got excited about. Like, you know, they're waiting for a problem to fall down. So, yeah, that, that's interesting. That makes a lot of sense. And I think really good advice too, just to, you know, you should ask and push for that, right? Get all the stakeholders and want to have that type of call. When you're selecting the CRM, that's really smart. Yeah, it can, it can take more time, right, to get everyone lined up with the calendars and stuff. But in the long run, it's probably a lot faster. If it is a bad solution, you'll find out a lot faster. And if it's a good solution, you move forward a lot faster. Yeah. And from the sales side, it makes it easier for the salesperson to actually scope it correctly. Because mm, yeah. that gives me, right, or whoever's a salesperson, 
the ability to say, you know what, that one I don't know, and we'll have to get back to you. And you can actually scope it when you go talk to your team internally and say, yeah, they're either a perfect fit, maybe it requires a little bit of extra work here or not. Like some of these things are going to, you know, deal breakers. Um, and then right out of the gate, you already know, yeah, this might not be a good fit. It's not a good fit in this case. And I mean, I imagine the clients you say no to are just as important to say no to as the ones you say yes to with something like a CRM. And you mentioned your team takes on a lot of that onboarding burden. So, you know, you have to be very careful with who you select. So, um, no, that's awesome. So I know, I know we're getting cl close to the end of time, um, but what I really want to do is talk a little bit more, you know, we've mentioned your CRM multiple times through here. We've talked about it broadly, um, but it is really amazing product. So I'd love to actually just spend some time and, and, you know, I think you've kind of trickled in some of this just organically, but why don't you tell us a little bit about Webforce and why you guys, if, if you aren't using you guys, why somebody should come to you and maybe make this the solution to, to grow and scale their business to different levels. Yeah, absolutely. So um, without going full, full out pitch here. Um, <laughs> so the, the software was really doing, born. I actually want full pitch, Luis. Full I want pitch. You, like, you got to go voice. all the way in. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, the solution was really developed as uh, from necessity, right? From all the business owners that we were talking to. All the tools and services that you need at different uh, points in the business. Right, so if you're starting to look for a page builder and sales funnels and the cart and the software uh, membership site, um, and I mean, I could go on for days talking about all the features and everything that it does there, um, but it's the foundation to be able to scale. Everybody right now is focused on solving these issues with rising costs of advertising, right? Um, increasing your AOVs and your LTVs and solving these problems, but they're also all symptoms of the real problem and it's, how do I get clear numbers? How do I increase my revenue? How do I get more output from my inputs, right? At the end of the day. And every time I talk to somebody, they're like, what's your problem? I'm like, uh, I need more customers or I need to increase my OV or I need to, whatever the problem is, I can backtrack it all the way to the foundation piece on the tech side. And literally say, if we solve this little lever back down here, it's gonna trickle all the way up there for you know a 10X, 20X return on that side. So really getting clear on what is the actual piece that's hurting you uh, from the back end. It could be data. It could be process. Well, I was going to say, I imagine that that's huge, right? Because a lot of entrepreneurs too, you know, I think inherently most um, people that start and create a business aren't always the most excellent operators. It's just kind of a different mindset, but they could appreciate and respect the value the operations bring, which is exactly what you said. Like true good operations is data in to say, I know what type of decisions I need to make, not just like, you know, I think this is what we need. We should need more AOV or let's put this software in because it'll solve all my problems, you know, because I'll finally know LTV, right? Like, but what are you going to do with that? Do you know what anything else is going on with it? It's just another dish on top of an already overflowing sink of dirty dishes it's just not going to solve anything so no I, th I think that's an amazing software and to find one that has i think the other thing that you didn't mention i'll pitch for you and i know is the back-end <laughs> team that could be there working with you is growing and scaling that um to where you don't have to fit a crm into your business a company is going to fit it into your business for you i think that's a, that's a powerful game changer to have the data you need with the people that are going to reliably set it up for you um, which which sounds like from what you said earlier, much faster than you're going to get anywhere else. Would you say that's relatively true? You guys tend to onboard a lot faster than other CRMs out there. 
Correct. The analogy I use is um, I'll build you the race car and I can also drive it for you and just give you the keys right when it's ready to go. And most people want to go from A to A to Z as quickly as possible. Um, you know, but you can't do that when you're driving a Prius. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But we'll get there efficiently. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> we'll get yeah. the regenerative braking. Wait till you see incredible. my gas bill. No, sir. <laughs> I shouldn't make Prius owners sound so horrible, but you know you are. You know. <laughs> um, get a Tesla. Jeez. No. Move to the uh, right. Just move to the right lane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, so uh, that being said, so if somebody is listening to this, they're like, I really think this could change my business. and I'd love to learn a little bit more. How could they reach out and get a hold of you or remember your team? Yeah. Uh, if you want to go to our website, uh, webforcehq.com, um, that's the easiest way to sign up. You can see a demo there and then schedule a consultation with one of our specialists. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, Luis, thanks again so much for the time and, uh, you know, dealing with uh, me and, of course, then being able to enjoy Thomas. That's, I guess, the, the dynamic that we <laughs> we have on our podcast here. Um, great information. Oh, we flipped it back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, great information. Great product, too. Um, really, really appreciate your time. And for all those out there that are really looking to transform your business, whether it's replacing the CRM that's probably not getting you what you need right now or getting your first one, strongly encourage you to look at Webforce HQ. Um, it's got great solutions and to know that they're going to get it done faster for you. Ugh, what a benefit for sure. So get to more success back. faster, right? So um, yeah, but it's great. Look forward to seeing you hopefully at ASW next year. Um, as we always have a good time, we're going to meet in person and just keep enjoying that weather while Thomas and I shiver away through the holidays. We'll be there. I'll bring some sand y'all's way. All right. Sounds good. Sounds good. <laughs> All right, cheers, man. Thanks, guys.